seeing a swirl of nations in the bay, La Perouse, quote, like Captain Cook, met with currents which carried us every day 15 minutes south of our reckoning, end quote. They arrived at Botany Bay on January 24, only days after the British, despite coming from disparate parts of the world. The captain of the first fleet, as Arthur Phillips' expedition to Australia was known, sailed out eight months ago on May 13, 1787. The mission filled two broad goals. It shipped convicts away from the British Isles, akin to what Ledyard was seeing in Siberia, as well as using their survival to stake claims and supply and settle the new continent of Australia. But Arthur Phillips wasn't there to meet La Perouse. That would be Captain John Hunter. Phillips was not impressed by Cook's descriptions of Botany Bay and its lack of fresh water, so he went out scouting for what Cook had called Port Jackson, today's Sydney Harbor. The Boussole and the Astrolabe spent six weeks in port, no doubt taking note of British movements and engagements with the Aboriginal peoples, whose fortunes were about to change for the worst. Both nations would keep tabs on one another, as well as lent assistance where needed. Some convicts aboard the British fleet attempted to sail back with the French, though they were returned. They buried Father Louis Receiver, injured in Samoa, whose grave is kept to this day at Frenchman's Cove and Robert Sutton de Clonard, an Irishman promoted to captain of the Astrolabe, visited Captain Phillips in Sydney Cove and gave him correspondence, journals, and charts to deliver when the Alexander left for London in July of 1778. As La Perouse had deviated from the scheduled plan, which included Tahiti, New Zealand, and Tasmania, all were next. He would travel north to New Caledonia and the Solomon Islands to fulfill his instructions. In a letter sent back with the Alexander, La Perouse wrote, quote, Whatever professional advantages this expedition may have brought me, you can be certain that few would want them at such cost, and the fatigues of such a voyage cannot be put into words. When I return, you will take me as a centenarian. I have no teeth and no hair left, and I think it will not be long before I become senile. Farewell until June 1789. Tell your wife she will mistake me for her own grandfather. End quote. But as he and 189 Frenchmen and 12 Chinese sailed out of Botany Bay on March 10, 1788, no one would ever see any of them alive ever again. Welcome to Expeditions, a podcast around Lewis and Clark. We explore the history and historiography of the expedition one day at a time. We are everywhere at Expeditions Pod, social media, Patreon if you want to support the show, as well as our website. You are currently in Mile Marker 2, episode Bounties. Ledyard Billings and Company arrived in Irkutsk on January 16, 1788, as La Perouse was angling his way into Botany Bay. A month went by, but Ledyard had, as we're going to experience with Lewis in our future, stopped writing in his journal, so we're left with Billings' secretary, Martin Sauer. Quote, In the evening of the 24th of February, while I was playing at cards with the brigadier and some company of his, a secretary belonging to one of our courts of justices came in and told us with great concern that the governor-general had received positive orders from the empress immediately to send one of the expedition, an Englishman, under guard to the private inquisition at Moscow, but that he did not know the name of that person, and that Captain Billings was with a private party at the Governor General's. 
Now, as Ledyard and I are the only Englishmen here, I could not help smiling at the news when two hussars came into the room and they told me that the commandant wished to speak to me immediately. The consternation into which the visitors were thrown is not to be described. I assured them that this was a mistake and went to the guards to the commandant. There I found Mr. Ledyard under arrest. He told me that he had sent to Captain Billings, but he would not come to him. He then began to explain his situation and said he had been taken up as a French spy, whereas Captain Billings could prove the contrary, but he supposed that he knew nothing of the matter and requested that I would inform him. I did so, but the captain assured me that it was an absolute order from the Empress and that he could not help him. He, however, sent him a few rubles and gave him a police, a long coat, and I procured him his linen quite wet from the washtub. Ledger took friendly leave of me, desired his remembrance to be friends, and with astonishing composure leaped into the kibitka and drove off with two guards, one on each side. I wished to travel with him a little ways, but was not permitted. I therefore returned to my company and explained the matter to them, and though this eased their minds with regard to my fate, it did not restore their harmony. Ledyard's behavior, however, had been haughty and not at all condescending, which certainly made him enemies. End quote. So, what exactly happened here? Occam's razor is probably best. His hodgepodge of documents would only get him so far into the country, and at some point, the lack of an imperial passport along with a goal to set sail to America and engage in a fur trade of which Russia was a part of, surely caught up to him. We saw the secret communiques, so we know he was suspected of being a British spy, though Sauer says French here, which also tracks because that's where he spent time and on some level, what's the difference? In the 1820s, Jared Sparks in his biography on Ledyard also floats other motives, knowing less than we know now. One was the, quote, alleged humanity of the Empress, that is, Catherine calling it off to save Ledyard from himself. Another theory revolved around Irkutsk itself, and it being a fur trade hub, and people involved in it worried, possibly as they got to know John Ledyard, that he didn't have quite a rosy view of them. And this is Sparks again, quote, would make discoveries which might be published to their disadvantage, both in regard to the resources of traffic and to the cruel manner in which the traders habitually treated the natives, and extorting from them the fruits of their severe and incessant labors. To obviate such a consequence, it was necessary to cut short the traveler's career before he had penetrated to the eastern shore of Asia." End quote. Another theory was effectively women be shopping. She was called a she-bear with unprincely malice, acting in the role of a czar, she was jealous, if it was a man, this would have all played out differently, etc., etc. As John Ledyard wrote after being escorted from Irkutsk, quote, My ardent hopes are once more blasted, the almost half-accomplished wish. What secret machinations have been at work? What motive? But so it suits Her Royal Majesty of all the Russias, and she has nothing but her pleasure to consult. She has no nation's resentment to apprehend, for I am the minister of no state, no monarch. I travel under the common flag of humanity, commissioned by myself to serve the world at large. And so, the poor, the unprotected wanderer must go, where sovereign will ordains. If to death, why then my journey will be over sooner, and rather differently from what I contemplated. If otherwise, why then the royal dame has taken me much out of my way." End quote. As a tonic to all of that, Edward Gray notes Catherine's nebulousness, 
a tactic of many an authoritarian which allows her to be seen however one likes, though by not being able to pin her down, one cannot do anything to subvert her rule. The biggest thing for me is, how much did Billings know? That Billings would not come to him is quite damning, though he could have also been detained in his own way or told the charges and the implications of him, a, a Brit himself, standing up for Ledyard. It seems clear that Sauer either didn't know or, like the night that Ledyard was arrested, had a damn good poker face. Sauer may have even known. Billings would eventually have two boats built in Okusk, though one would be lost almost immediately, and they would set sail a year from now, in September 1789, completing the journey in 1794, secretive but successful. Upon Sawyer's return, he was in critical health, or so he says, and hiding a secret journal that he was supposed to turn over, akin to Ledyard off the coast of China. Billings was even ordered to search Sauer's room, but he claimed that he had burned his notes. But when he was released from service due to his ill health, he went to England and had the journal published. But if this was some spy shit or literary ambitions, it's up to you. And if he was a spy, could he have known? Could he have worried that it was him? Lots of questions. But as for John Ledyard, he was escorted across the country that he had just traversed to an inquisition in Moscow, of which little is known, though the outcome can be discerned. He writes on the border of Poland and Russia much the same way that he had written about Russia and Siberia, observing from the outside all of his dreams that he had held for the vast expanse of Asia. At the close of his journal, he notes, quote, Were I charged or chargeable, with any injury done or thought of, either to this or any other country, it might not make me contented, indeed yet, I suppose, it would make me resigned. But to be arrested in my travels at the last stage but one, in those dominions where the severe laws of the climate unhappily detained me, seized, imprisoned, and transported in this dark and silent manner, without cause or accusation, except what appears in the mysterious wisdom depicted in the face of my sergeant, and of course, without even a guess as to my destination, treated in short, like a subject of this country. Under such circumstances, resignation would be a crime against my dear native land." End quote. He'd arrived back in London by spring of 1788. He had quite the story to tell and the sympathies of those who had helped and funded him at all his highs and his lows. If he thought of flouting the Russian Empire again, he definitely thought twice. He'd complained that his benefactors didn't really understand all that it took to get across the continent, and he wasn't keen on trying again, at least not yet. Even in the face of Russia's promise to hang him if he was found on their soil again, he wrote defiantly, the rest of the world lies uninterdicted. But for how long? 